0: We have a reunion of sorts today. My friend Garrett Ross is in the box next to me. I used to do a radio show with him, and he now does a college sports podcast called the College Chaos Podcast. So I want to talk Big 12 football with him, and we'll do that next. And it's Locked On Horn Frogs is what you're listening to. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm Stephen Simcox. Next to me today is Garrett Ross. So Garrett and I have some history. We used to work together uh, in the local radio in the Waco market. We did a show called Off the Bench. Garrett's worn a lot of hats through the years. He now uh, <laughs> works for, is 365 Sports who you officially work for, Garrett? Uh, All right, so like Sikkim365.com
1: is the main umbrella, right? Like that's the the parent thing, but 365 Sports is the YouTube channel. It's kind of branched off all under one umbrella, but yeah, that's what it is.
0: And so we're going to talk some Big 12 football today. We'll sprinkle NCCU here and there, but we're in the middle of the summer. It's a good time to kind of recalibrate expectations. I brought Garrett in to help me do that. And Garrett, um, you guys have, you know, within that umbrella that you talked about, you have a YouTube channel called crystal ball college football. And on that channel, you have the college chaos podcast that you're a part of. Um, If people want to check that out, where can they find it? And what can they expect from, uh, from the show you guys got going on?
1: Yeah, man, go check it out on YouTube, crystal, uh, crystal ball, college football. It's on there. We have three different shows that are on that channel specifically. It's also available Spotify, Apple music, wherever you get that. So that's where you can find us.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So subscribe to that crystal ball, college football, a lot of good content there. Um, and I know the 365 sports guys, my TCU fans, if you hear Sikkim in that name, yes, they they do have Baylor ties, but they are they are good people. I can vouch for them. They have good good sports talk, good college football talk, and it's not, you know, all uh, Baylor-centric. So it's a good thing to check out. But Garrett's joining us today, and I want to talk to the Big 12. And, um, man, okay, so first of all, Garrett, yesterday, I know you're an LSU fan. Yep. The SEC, like – it, it, it's already been this way, but it's essentially a professional sports league. They're Absolutely. doing, they're doing schedule releases on like a random Wednesday night for the 2024 season. Um, and it, I mean, it was really cool the way they kind of roll it out, but I, I know there's so many teams now. What was your, some of your initial thoughts on just kind of how they rolled that out the hype around it. And I mean, is this, is this the future? I know not everybody can do it like they can because of the team's, but do you think this is kind of the future of schedule rollouts from now on across college football?
1: I think so, man. I think the way the game has changed, and and if you look at the SEC and the Big Ten, like they're trying to set um, a situation up where they emulate the the NFL. And Mm -hmm. everything the NFL has done has been successful, so why not give that a shot? And it's intriguing, though, like – I'm kind of nervous as you keep adding these teams because at what point does it not become a league anymore? Like, you know, like, is it yeah. a conference? Is it its own thing? But no, I think this is definitely um, something that, that you're probably going to see more conferences try to do, but it's definitely the, uh, it definitely worked. Um, and I think you also get to see like the, the intriguing viral aspects for like Mississippi state and the AI mm-hmm. drop that they did. So there's just so many little unique avenues that you can take. And I think you're going to see more and more people do it, but yeah, I mean, it's a big success, uh, a lot of fun, and LSU has got a, a gauntlet ahead of them in 2024.
0: Yeah, I feel like everybody did. I think A&M, it kind of worked out pretty well. It's, it's hard to project these things because it's two years in advance. Um, but yeah. Texas, I know you'll be joining, and and that'll be a lot of fun. That Texas schedule, man, it looks like – I mean, it looks like they got, Garrett, kind of the the tough end of the stick there in that first year um, with some of the teams they're going to have to play. They're getting – introduced to the SEC immediately in a lot of ways.
1: No, they are, man. And I think that's, I mean, this is what they wanted, right? Like, I love yeah. the idea that they have to go to Kyle Field. I think that that's, you know, I, I'm i glad that that rivalry is back. But I think if you would have sent the Aggies to Texas, that would have been like just a, so much disrespect behind that. It's mm-hmm. unreal. But I, I, I like the matchup. I like Georgia coming in. Um, I like how they didn't put Bama on there because you're going to already play them two years in a row prior to going in. But I was more, like, taken aback by Oklahoma. I think they really kind of put Oklahoma over the barrel. If you look at their schedule, it's just absolutely brutal. Uh, most of their stuff's on the on the road. They're big games. They do have the tide coming into Norman. But mm-hmm. it's really kind of weird seeing when, – when you see all those logos together and it's in the mix. Um, it, it's going to be intriguing. I don't really know how – like, I'm more concerned about Oklahoma, really, than Texas because <laughs> – like, we were talking about this on the show the other day, and you know Craig Spoke is a big OU guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was – like, we were trying to figure out where they're going to fall because he feels like they're going to go in here and kind of get lost in the shuffle. I think they are as well. And I told him, like, I feel like they're going to be Ole Miss. Like, Ole Miss is a really good program year in and year out, but you, you get an eight or nine wins, but you're always on the fringe. And I think Oklahoma's got a fine line they're walking to where you were the, you know, the epitome of excellence in the Big 12. And now you're kind of falling in this weird limbo where you're trying to do an identity search. And I kind right. of see them going in that route. But you know, their recruiting is significantly better than Ole Misses. I think that might be something that helps them, but it's going to be a lot of fun watching both those teams come into the SEC.
0: Well, that's a good segue. So when we look at the Big 12 this year, I, I don't know, Garrett, if this is good for the league. But it seems like lately, and I think this will be even more the case once Texas and OU leave, every year when you look at the Big 12, it's like this is kind of wide open. Like maybe you have one or two teams that you feel good about, but OU's coming off a strange year. I mean, K-State ended up winning the Big 12 title. Uh, TCU obviously had that crazy run. But when when you're looking at this league, do you have a clear favorite? I mean, if you had to pick one, or do you think it's – kind of jumbled up at the top and we'll just sort of have to see how things go as the year progresses. <clears throat> um,
1: as far as this year goes, I would say Texas is my, like I, I really think that Texas wins it this year. Um, okay. uh, and I think that they have to almost at this point, but it's been so long. I, but after that, like once the, the um, OU and Texas are gone, it's really like everybody's game because I think if TCU can capitalize off of their season last year, and there, to me, I think TCU is centrally located in the Metroplex where it's perfect because you have players who go to these other programs and it might not work. All right, JoJo Earl, like you know Tommy Brottenmeier. Yeah. You know you yeah. went and you tried it and you want to come back home. I think TCU can really benefit off of that. Um, Texas Tech's interesting because well, obviously they're, uh, the NIL and the way they've just kind of just put a stranglehold on that. And Joey mm-hmm. McGuire's energy is ridiculous. So I, I understand why people would want to go out there and play uh, those are two I'm really kind of looking at to be the faces. Um, but you're right, dude. Like, it's if you look at Oklahoma State, right? Like I think a couple of years ago, we're like, okay, well, Oklahoma State's got to be it. You mm-hmm. have a the season you had last year, everybody's kind of like, well, does Gundy lost it? And I really didn't realize how many injuries they faced until I read uh, Max Holson's article in The Athletic. And that kind of put yeah. a different. In it. But at the same time, dude, I think this is going to be one of those leagues where it's. it it is what it is. It's going to be, I think it's arguably going to be, might not be the most talented league, but I think it's going to be the most competitive and most intriguing league and probably the most fun to watch because you don't have an alpha dog. I think you're going to Mm -hmm. see multiple years where you have different teams pop up. And I don't think you're going to have like one face of the, the conference that everybody looks at and fears.
0: No, I'd agree with that. And so coming back to Texas, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before you know, in the off season, I agree with you from a talent perspective. What kind of gives you hope for them to finally break through? I mean, is it, is it what they have in the trenches? Is it Quinn coming back for another season? Why do you believe in the horns given, you know, the seasons that we've thought they might do this and it just didn't happen?
1: I think when you look overall at Texas, what they've always had the talent, right, but they've just never been able to put it together. And I think right now you have a new resurgence of energy and belief in there with Sark. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. you've finally got the depth. Which sounds weird to think that Texas didn't have the depth. But I think they just had too many egos. And I think they've kind of cleared that out. And when you add the depth along with it, that makes them dangerous. Like you're returning 15 starters. Uh, Quinn Quinn is an intriguing aspect because – I was initially trying to think like who would be the best quarterback in the big 12. And he was the first name that popped in mind. But the more I thought about it, like this dude hasn't been healthy since his junior year in high school, which it makes the Malik Murphy stay in there so much more valuable to me. I mm-hmm. think that's a brilliant move by him kind of like realizing the situation. And cause I think arch is arch is the future, right? I think arch is going to stay path this year. So I loved Malik Murphy coming back. I think they have the arguably the deepest quarterback room in the nation. Their receiving core is absolutely ridiculous, dude. Like, they have all Americans just littered throughout there. Um, Their offensive line, Kelvin Banks and those dudes are just alphas, man. They're monsters Um, on the defensive side in the trenches. uh, When you got Sweat and Byron Murphy, the secondary, I mean, they just have so much talent that if they don't win it, it's got to be arguably one of the
0: probably most disappointing things anybody's (laughs) ever seen (laughs) in college football. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I, I know you can handle this over under one start for Arch Manning start now start. I mean, I know he he'll probably get in at some point over under one start for March Manning, um, in this upcoming 2023 season.
1: Uh, I would say under, I, I mean, yeah. if you look at their schedule, I think they, they have a, I don't think they really want to mess around. I, I think that it's kind of like you got your lunch pill. you got all the juice from that schedule coming out. And you want to make a statement. So I think knowing that and knowing that Arch is the future, I mean, I can see him coming in in spells, like especially um, if it's I, I don't I can't have I don't have their non con like off the top of my head. But I, I could see him coming in and getting some reps. But as far as starts, man, I, I wouldn't push it this year. Maybe let him get in next year and kind of do that. But if it comes to somebody else getting a start, I'm riding with Malik.
0: Yeah, that non-con schedule. So they get Rice to open the season at home. And then, of course, going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Yeah, he's not starting of yeah, that. He's, he's not <laughs> playing that game. <laughs> um, yeah, we could see, like, some garbage time against Wyoming or Rice. I would expect maybe. Yeah. Okay, get out there, hand off the ball a few times, or right. throw a few bubble screens. Uh, but, no, I, I think, like, weirdly, I feel like um, his family is really invested and him not playing this year, yeah, uh, and and just learning, and that's fine. I mean, that totally makes sense. That's how it used to work in college football. You know, when we were growing up, Garrett, like Maurice Claret was like the only freshman that I remember <laughs> that, that was playing. It was if you if you were on campus as a freshman, you were just holding your helmet and in red shirt. And now it's everybody's just immediately expected to step on the field and play.
1: Also, also think like. A lot of people got the Johnny Manziel bug, right? Like you saw Johnny come in and just ball out. No, not all freshmen can. And that's why we see night. so many people struggle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, in a moment, I want to ask you about some of the new teams that are going to be part of the Big 12 Conference. We'll do that next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. I do want to quickly mention uh, Bird Dogs. They're one of our sponsors, Shorts, Pants, Listen, bird dogs make you feel good. They make you look good. Uh, they're like khaki shorts, but they're designed to fit really well. Um, they stretch really well. You know, I, I got a few in the in the mail and I was kind of skeptical when I looked at them. I was like, man, these look like frat star shorts. They're very short. I'm not, I'm not sure about this. But I appreciate Bird Dogs. You can go to birddogscom slash college. and if you order there, you can get a free Yeti tumbler with your purchase. Again, that's birddogscom slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Um, you can wear them anywhere. Wear them around the house. Wear them out. You know, they look they look nice, and so you can get away with wearing them to a more formal event or something like that. But you can also just wear them casually. Bird Dogs. We're thankful for their sponsorship here on the lockdown Network.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get
0: podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, back from break, and I'm with Garrett Ross from the College Chaos Podcast. So, uh, Garrett, these new teams, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, making the step up. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily expect any of them to win the league or anything like that. But which team do you think is in the best position to have success this season uh, and, and handle this adjustment with – you know, the, the least amount of hiccups going into the year.
1: Man, I, I think there's two teams you can make an argument for, and it's BYU and it's UCF uh, BYU simply because they've, they're used to playing a gauntlet of a schedule. Um, they, they're an older team naturally, just given how the program works and Kalani Sataki is a hell of a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm riding with UCF. Um, Gus Malzahn is a tremendous coach. The bounce house. I'm a believer in the bounce house. I think like their fan base is going to have a a lot of ridiculous energy. John Rice Plumley, and you're located in the freaking heart of Florida, dude. Like we talk about recruiting in Texas all the time. The talent, Florida's right there with them. So I think that that's a program, kind of like going back to what I was saying with TCU, where if you have a lot of these kids that leave the state and they want to come back and maybe, you know, Florida State's not working, they don't have the roster spots, Florida, whatever. Now that UCF is in a Power Five conference, that makes them a viable league. And I love Gus Malzahn as a coach. I kind of think he got the raw end of the deal at Auburn. And he's got like a just a rejuvenized energy um, in, uh, down there in Orlando. So um, I really like them. I think the trajectory of their program is going to be really intriguing. And once they have that money and they can just kind of put that like an influx of cash into that program as a whole, I think they're going to be dangerous going
0: forward. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like UCF. I think they're a school that people don't really understand how big they are and in the area yeah. they're in. Um, you're right. There is an opportunity to sort of have an influx of cash. And one thing I also wondered, Garrett, so TCU makes that run to the national title game last year. and you know, We know what happened once they got there, but they did beat Michigan in the playoff. Um, is there a Big 12 team? I know we talked about Texas some being the yeah. favorite. Do you see a team that could make a run like this Uh, this upcoming season or do you feel like this is you know a year for big 12 football where maybe there's not a a national championship contender um
1: honestly i think texas is the only team right now that well it's hard to say that because if tcu can bounce like they've reloaded and i'm really intrigued Mm -hmm. to see what they can do um kansas state's got a lot of talent the whole offensive line's coming back will howard's a dog at quarterback uh but I think truly as far as you need depth. I think that's what TCU found out. Like when you're going to go through this, you're going to have guys that get hurt and you need your, your second string to be like, don't miss a beat when you go in. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of teams in the big 12 right now don't have that. And I think that's a process that you'll see developed over the next few years, but just kind of go looking at it from that aspect. I think Texas is truly the only team depth wise, talent wise that could legitimately make a run, but they've
0: never, they haven't proved it in a decade. So that's, you know, to be seen. Right. And TCU, it's, it's, it is fascinating kind of their expectations. I mean, I, you know, looking at win totals, I think they're going to do better than seven or eight wins that the national media has kind of put on them. But at the same time, you are replacing a lot. Now the funny thing is you're replacing like Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson, Kendra Miller, who are good players. They're also players that didn't have just amazing careers until Sonny Dykes got there. Like they were having okay careers, but they really took a next step with Sonny. So, I mean, with all the turnover, Garrett, you know, we talked about some of the transfers, Jojo Earl coming in, uh, John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State, new quarterback in Chandler Morris. What are you sort of seeing as far as, in your mind, expectations for TCU going into the year, how they can kind of build off what they did last season?
1: I mean, look, I think that well, will mention start. Let's start with Chandler Morris, right? Like he was the guy, he was mm-hmm. the guy last year until he got hurt. Yeah. And um, I think that if you follow his career, he's, he's been solid. I mean, his dad, when you come from a, um, the type of pedigree with the coach, and you grow up in that system, it's just second nature to you. So, I think Chandler's going to ball out this year. Honestly, probably kind of like he did against Baylor a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but but I'm I, I just—I mean, like, dude, he put them on black. He did, man. He had—he uh, had the game of his life. He was throwing darts. <laughs> But no, like, I I think that's really intriguing. I I don't see them having that type of success because they caught so many lucky breaks. Like, there were so many one possession. The Baylor game last year, like, if you don't execute the perfect special teams play, you know, you get beat and you don't Mm -hmm. end up in the playoffs. So I don't see them catching those breaks. That's almost impossible for any team to be that lucky. Um, But I think that they are soundly coached. Um, I think the offense is not really going to miss a beat. I know – well, with uh, Riley going off to Clemson and you bring in Kendall Browles, it's kind of it, – there's really not much change there to me. Yeah. There's it's probably like technical things. And also, we got to think like Sonny Dykes had his handprints all over that. So, it's not like it was just uh, Garrett Riley last year. So, right. I don't think it's going to be that big of an adjustment. Um, I just think that they're going to take a slight step back because some other teams are going to take a step forward. But I think mm-hmm. the Frogs get eight wins easily.
0: Okay, so I was going to ask you about coaching hot seat, but you brought up OU, and I do think it it's – they're in a weird spot. So you're, you're going into the SEC next year. You talked about how you and, and one of your uh, coworkers, co-host Craig Smoke, have discussed, like, are they going to be just sort of a in-the-middle type of team? Is that what they want? Is, is Brett Venables on the hot seat at all? I know you know last year wasn't what they thought. Is, is it way too early to say that, or do you feel like he's under a lot of pressure this season?
1: I think he's under a lot of pressure. I mean, the standard's high at Oklahoma. It's not like some – I think Oklahoma kind of gets lost in the grand scheme of things as being a power, but they really are. I mean, mm-hmm. and so I think given that um, – and some of the comments he's made. Like, he made a comment – I don't know if you've seen this. He made a comment earlier this week, like, oh, we're going to win 10 games if our defense plays that. Bro, don't put those. Right. Don't put that – that's unnecessary pressure you're putting on yourself, right? Like, because yeah. now everybody's going to be looking like, oh, you didn't win 10 games. So, yeah, I think there is some cause for concern there. And we see it all the time with coaches. Like, it, you can be a great coordinator, but that transition to where you have your hands in so many cookie jars and NIL era, his personality, like, and they recruit like their recruiting class is absurd they have a lot of young talent so i'm not knocking that but yeah dude i think if they come out this year and they have another subpar season like you really got to question yourself like do we want to go into the sec with this dude but then mm-hmm. that's like a double-edged sword because do you want to make a coaching change and go into the sec yeah. like so i think it's a tricky situation but he's got to be really careful because that i think he's on the verge of being on a hot seat
0: Well, and another thing about that, too, is if you – I mean, coaches get fired all the time. It's not like it's an unprecedented thing. But if you do go that route and go hire somebody else, what direction do you go then? Because, you, I mean, you had Lincoln, who was like offensive mastermind, we're going to score a lot of points, defense special teams. Not super worried about that, to be honest. And, I mean, to his credit, like they had a lot of success. Then you go to Venables, and he's more of a defensive coach. And maybe, I mean, is it for that defense – is it more in your mind about talent or identity? Because I know, like, Brett's bringing a totally different identity to that defense. But at the same time, it just didn't seem like they had the dudes last year, Garrett. Like, they didn't have the guys that could compete.
1: No, they didn't. I think that kind of goes back to, like, the, the Lincoln-Riley situation where he was so focused on offense and bringing in the Heisman quarterback after Heisman quarterback. I think the defense kind of got neglected. Because Alex Grinch is suspect as hell. I mean, he's still suspect out at USC. That's why they didn't make the the uh, playoff last year. So mm-hmm. I, I think they kind of neglected the defense, especially on the recruiting side. Side. So Brett Venables went in there and kind of had to start from scraps. And, and that's kind of it's kind of like David Randa. Like when David Randa came into Waco, he was behind the eight ball. I think it's a similar situation, not necessarily that significant. But I, I think you got to give him time to bring his his guys in. When well, you get guys like Billy Bowman and and them like he's got the talent. It's just a matter of putting it together. And, but I, I'm more worried about like Jeff Levy do like, bro, you got to get this offense humming. You you're mm-hmm. supposed to be Dylan Gabriel's secret whisperer. And he looked average as a bowl of grits. Like, like so what are you going to get out of it? I think there's, it's kind of complex. Um, So I think Venables can be all right, but I'm more, I would be more concerned about the offense. Matt, I'm comfortable with what he can do with their defense and the talent that he's got on the roster. I'm kind of more worried about the offense,
0: honestly. A few more teams I want to get Garrett's opinions on. We'll do that next after this break on Lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, final thing for you on Lockdown Horn Frogs, talking to Garrett Ross from the College Chaos Podcast. So, Baylor. Garrett, you know, it it didn't – they had the Big 12 title a few years ago. Last year didn't go as planned. I wasn't surprised that they named Blake Shapen the guy because I felt like it was going to be tough for Sawyer Robinson to come in and win that job. But I know there were a lot of Baylor people that weren't super happy about that. Uh, Blake Shapen specifically. I mean, what did you see last season? I know he started the year okay. As the season went on, it seemed like things started to go downhill for him. Uh, What do you think about him and this Baylor team going into this next year?
1: <clears throat> oh man, Blake Chapin. Uh it, It's like Charlie Brewer 2.0 it, It's really weird because I hate I feel for the kid how much flack he gets from the fan base um, And I think a lot of the times We forget that last year was His first year to actually be a starter um, And not only that But the offensive line did not live up to expectations uh, He had no weapons uh, As far as receiving go. They had no deep threat whatsoever uh, Monterey Baldwin was about it And he gets banged up uh, you're relying on Richard Reese, a freshman to carry your team. Um, your tight ends are, are the tight ends in the running back room are the best groups on the field for them offensively. Uh, but man, he just didn't have the time to work with. I think he made some poor decisions at times he pressed because he was feeling, you know, he felt it like, and mm-hmm. I, I just feel like now it's like, when you look at the past and what he's been doing, um, he hasn't really had competition to push him. Like, and I think a lot of people, a lot of Baylor fans were like, well, mm-hmm. why don't Kyron Jones get a start? Well, Kyron Jones isn't even, he's struggling to get the job at uh, Virginia tech right now. And mm-hmm. then Gary Bohannon, he goes to USF. He didn't do anything. So yeah. he didn't really have anybody to push him. And I think now that you have Sawyer Robertson come in, who is legit going to, if you mess up, he's taking your spot. I think that's going to make Blake shaping better, um, but they got to get him some more help, man. And he's got to, He's got to spread the field more. I thought that that was really kind of the the talking point last year as well. We're getting rid of Gary because he doesn't have the deep ball. Blake does. Well, hopefully this year when you got a guy like Keetron Jackson coming in uh, from Arkansas, you got Armani Winfield and and them that need to step up. Jordan Neighbors, he's, they have talent. They just need to put it together. Um, but it's also weird because they've had so many coaching changes and staff changes. They've never really been able to build a solid chemistry. Um And then the defense last year didn't help him either. Like it was just, Mm -hmm. it was just there. The secondary was very suspect. Um, So I I think that they're going to take a step forward. I like Dave Aranda as a coach. I will never knock Dave Aranda as a coach. He's freaking brilliant. Um, I think having Matt Palage come over and just put some new juice into the defense will help Blake Shapin because they'll take the pressure off of him. Um, But I think Baylor will take a step forward. But at the same time, dude, like he's on a short leash. If he if he comes out like against Texas State or, or Utah in week two and just doesn't yeah. do it, he, he's getting he's hitting the bench, bro. Like and there's no other way around it. Yeah, I forget
0: they have that Utah game. Man, that's uh that's tough. That, against that defense, that's not yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. we'll, we'll see. He's Garrett Ross, College Chaos Podcast. Crystal Ball College Football. Subscribe on YouTube. And then, Garrett, your Twitter handle is right there, but tell the people where they can find you on social media. And, uh, you know, obviously you promoted the show, but, again, College Cast Podcast. Where can they find you on Twitter, Garrett?
1: Yeah, at underscore Garrett Ross. Easy to find. I, I don't put much out there. You know, I do sometimes. But if you're looking for, like, somebody tweeting all the time, that ain't me, but I'll put some fun stuff out there.
0: <laughs> Garrett, thank you, man. I appreciate the time today. Appreciate you, bro. It's uh, Locked on Horned Frogs, and it's your team every day.